Welcome to episode 3 of the Robins Football Thoughts Podcast. On today's episode, we recap Super Bowl 55 between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the great moments and enduring legacies of that game. We also look at the quarterback trade market, including the move of Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, as well as the potential trades of Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, and Brett Favre's comments on Deshaun Watson's desire to be out of Houston, and then J.J. Watt's release from Houston and the continued shakeups for the Texans. And then finally, I'll have my thoughts on the eventual return of the NCAA football games recently announced. Hi again, this is your host Robin Elise of the Robin's Football Thoughts podcast, and uh, we're a few days past from the Super Bowl in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dominated from beginning to end, pretty much uh, winning 31-9 to over the Kansas City Chiefs, and Tom Brady winning his seventh ring and winning MVP with three first-half touchdown passes, and the Chiefs being held without a touchdown. It for the first time in the Pat Mahomes era, and just uh, from beginning to end, as I said, they um, their offensive line had no chance pretty much blocking Shaq Barrett and Dominican Sue, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, and within three or four seconds, Mahomes was running for his life with a turf toe and could just never really get any rhythm. Even when they moved the ball, they couldn't obviously score in the red zone, having to settle for three field goals. Uh, meanwhile, Tampa Bay was able to get a balanced attack from Brady um, not going deep as often and just going underneath to the backs and then also Gronk and then having Antonio Brown make a few plays while uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were covered up for much of the game, but because they have other guys like the backs, the tight ends, and Brown, they were able to move the ball pretty effectively and put up 31 points. I don't think anyone really could have foreseen it being a blowout in the favor of the Buccaneers. I could see it maybe for the uh, Chiefs before the game just because they have explosive weapons like Tyreek Hill, who had 200 yards in the first quarter the last time these two teams met. But even though he had, I think it was six catches for 77, he was bottled up for pretty much the entire game. And even though Kelsey went over 100 yards, he didn't really have any huge impactful plays. And Tampa Bay ran basically the same defense the Bills ran with two high safeties. But because they were able to get pressure with four guys, um, which Buffalo was not able to do, and then um, also have linebackers and safeties able to cover underneath and the tight ends and the backs, which again, the Bills did not have those type of players on the field to do that. And with Kansas City being down there, two tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, they really just were not able to protect very long. And with everything covered up, I mean, three receivers, their top three guys on plenty of the passing down situations were bracketed or double covered, uh, Hill, Kel Kelsey, and McCall Hardman. And as a result, that there was just not much, if anything, there. Um, but it was just so odd to see a team like not only the Chiefs, but also Andy Reid, who is notoriously wins about 80 or so percent of his games coming off buys and having two weeks to prepare, just 
not having the ability to make adjustments um, to get the offense moving and get really any sort of momentum in the ball game. But it's scary to think that Tampa Bay was able to win this year despite not winning their division, win the Super Bowl this year despite not winning their division, getting trounced by the Saints two times um, in the regular season, and now the Saints in the offseason season. They're going to probably, you know, Drew Brees is likely to retire. And even though he was able to take less money, restructure his contract to save them 24 mil, um, they still have to cut around 75 to 80 mil just to get under the cap. And so that's going to be interesting to see what moves they make to do that. Um, But you would think that would put the Saints away as a contender and a nuisance to the Tammy Buccaneers in the NFC South. Atlanta, new coaching staff. I'm not sure what we can expect out of them. Same with the Panthers, who second year under Matt Rule, but they may be looking to switch quarterbacks, and they're still a young team. So um, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of Tampa Bay, and it'll be a second year um, for a lot of players in that system between Brady and... Um, and they were able to get a great marriage of the Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, go down the field, and also Brady um, going underneath and checking down. It wasn't great through the first 12 games of the year, but um, through that stretch where they won eight straight, including the Super Bowl, they were able to get the right mix of the two and uh, adjust where they needed to. The only big questions remain are, are you going to be able to keep um, Chris Godwin, who's a free agent? They could either give him a big deal or franchise him. Shaq Barrett's a free agent. Levante David, um, the second of the pair of linebackers that they have in Devin White and David, who just are so great across the field and can cover up um, anywhere they need to in terms of both making plays in the run game and pass game and in coverage. So Tampa Bay, I mean, they could make another run at it, but um, with all the weapons that they have and more chemistry. But there's still some pretty good teams in the NFC um, between, you know, all the teams in the NFC West, Seattle, um, the Rams, not sure anyone out of the NFC East, uh, Green Bay still, although they have some moves to make with their free agents. But And then Leonard Fournette is also a free agent for Tampa Bay, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with their run game. But yeah, the Buccaneers... Uh, winning their first title, or their second title, excuse me. Their first was in 2002 with John Gruden. And this playoff run was the um, last time since, I believe, that Super Bowl run where they had actually won a playoff game. So congrats to them. Um, yeah, it'll be very intriguing off soon to see what they do, to see if they can get any better and keep all the guys that they have. And then into next year because I feel like Brady, he had a pretty great year this year, but there was always the potential for more with all those receivers like Godwin, Evans, Brown, add into the mix late. And if they can keep him, because he's also a free agent, um, along with Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, that's about as good a receiving core as any. And then Gronk, he's also free agent, but you'd think he'd want to stay if he'd do anything because... The only quarterback he's ever wanted to play with is uh, Brady. They get O.J. Howard back from injury, and then they have Brady. So they could have 
two or three of those tight ends, depending on what happens. Um, but if you remember Payne Manning when he went to the Broncos after so many years with the Colts, first year was really good. It was the second year he went on a record-setting tear. And even though Brady is 43, I do think um, with more of an offseason, full offseason with the new team, even if it is somewhat truncated with the uh, COVID protocols, he could, you know, improve on what he did this year. For Kansas City, um, three straight years, Mahomes has gotten them to at least the AFC title game, and it's about as good a three-year run to start a career as any in the NFL. But in the two Super Bowls, yes, he won the one against the Niners, but it was the last 10 minutes where he really started to play well in that game. Previously, he had thrown uh, two bad interceptions, and then in this game, really just not getting any rhythm. And... Yeah, he was chased around a lot, and, you know, there was um, no consistency in terms of um, the offensive line play. Um, there were some plays where he um, was falling down and somehow putting it right at receivers' faces, and the guys couldn't make catches. But um, a little bit of a humbling, definitely a humbling game for Mahomes and the Chiefs team. And when you go on three, four-year runs like this, um, you can continue it, but it's definitely harder and harder the more you come back and come back and come back just because, um, you know, the wear and tear on your body and also um, free agency, um, the draft, um, are you able to be consistent um, getting the right players? They're about to probably lose Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins. Uh, soon enough, you have to worry about that massive contract that, Pat Mahomes will enter into. I believe he still has one, the fifth-year option that he's on next year, but then that big 10-year, $450 million contract, or 12-year, excuse me, $450 million contract kicks in, and all of a sudden, with that quarterback not on a rookie deal, it's going to be harder to keep Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, the two pass rushers that they have, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, um, an offensive line in front of them especially one that plays much better than it did in the Super Bowl, although, again, they were playing with backups and guards at tackle, but it's not going to get any easier trying to keep those guys um, with the cap, although it could go up in um, future years. This year is going down just because of the um, the money that they couldn't get from uh, spectators uh, due to COVID um, is taking down the cap where it would normally be from 190 to 200 million this year. Um, the lowest projection, it was at about 175 and it's probably going to be about 180, 181. And, you know, Kansas City is, I think, at or above um, the cap number. So it's going to be tough to see how they keep any of the two receivers that I mentioned, Watkins and Robinson, in free agency, and Le'Veon Bell also will probably leave, and then are you still able to keep your pass rushers, keep Tyron Matthew and all your skill position players, and then how do you improve in the draft? Do you go offensive line? Do you try and get another playmaker on defense? It's all going to be uh, interesting to see what they do there, but that is our recap of the Super Bowl. Um, one move that happened right after we recorded episode two 
I think it was the day or two after, was the trade of Matthew Stafford to the L.A. Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, a 2021 third-round pick. Um, the Rams had two um, third-round picks. Um, they get two in addition uh, in compensatory picks because Brad Holmes, uh, one of their front office personnel guys, was hired by the uh, Detroit Lions. And due to the um, rule where if a minority um, candidate gets hired as coach or uh, GM for another team, uh, the team will get um, two compensatory third-round picks. Um, the Rams were able to give up that one, but then they also had to give up two first-round picks in 2022 and 2023. They do not have a first-rounder this year. Their last first-rounder was Jared Goff in 2016, and their next will be in 2024, which is the equivalent of two presidential terms. So it's not that the Rams don't believe in building through the draft necessarily. They just view first-round picks basically as guys to get elite blue-chip players that you normally only get when you're at the top of the draft. So in their mind, you know, trading these picks for better players at quarterback, um, a Jalen Ramsey, and all these guys is um, how they believe they will improve. Now it'll be interesting to see. Um, Matthew Stafford, one of the toughest guys in the NFL. He's um, spoke with Mitch Album, uh, journalist in Detroit this week, and he said he played with um, elbow injury, knee injury, um, shoulder injury this year. And there's a great clip of him, I think it was in his third or fourth year in the league, may have been in second actually, where he's um, on the last play of the game against the um, Cleveland Browns, and he throws up a Hail Mary, it goes incomplete, but there's a flag for pass interference, and on the play, he scrambles around and throws it in the end zone, and then gets hit hard on his shoulder, and can barely get up, and his shoulder's hanging, and his arm's hanging, and he goes to the sideline, and uh, they have one untimed down to try and win the game. And they take a timeout um, just to get sent everything because they're bringing the backup quarterback. And he says, no, I'm running on to the field now because with an injured player, if you're able to take a timeout, the injured player is able to go back into the game. So he comes back in and uh, throws a pass for a touchdown to win the game. And as soon as he throws the pass and puts up his fist, his arm dangles down. He's just like, uh, I can't feel it. I believe he didn't play the rest of the year, but it just shows the type of toughness that he has. But um, in Detroit, you know, they've wasted um, guys like him, Calvin Johnson, who congrats to him on being a first ballot Hall of Famer a week ago, and then, of course, Barry Sanders. And never having playoff success with three guys of that talent just shows how inept that franchise has been. But Stafford being allowed to go to a team that he wanted to go to in the Rams, and then the Lions getting back a young quarterback who is on a pretty substantial contract, but the GM in Detroit, Brad Holmes, knows him from his time in L.A. Maybe he can coax the best out of him. But Stafford being able to go to a place with elite talent with a team with Super Bowl expectations and with a Sean McVay who got a lot out of Goff um, 
after Goff really, really struggled as a rookie, and then, um, but just didn't see much uh, more growth out of him the last couple years. But for the Rams, now they have a quarterback that they feel like they can trust a little more in Stafford, and they don't have to carry him because with Goff, they would always have to send in the play very late and um, not really have him, he didn't really have the ability to adjust Whereas Stafford, with all of his experience and also the love, arm strength, and confidence that he has in his arm, they can try um, to do more things offensively and build more off what McVay wants to do with uh, the offense and complement that defense that was number one in scoring this year. Um, whether or not they'll be able to continue playing defense at that level with bunch of free agents like John Johnson, the safety, Darius Williams, the corner, and the fact that their defense coordinator, Brandon Staley, is now the head coach for the L.A. Chargers. Um, that remains to be seen, but at least they're going for it. You, There are a lot of teams that are overly patient, overly conservative with their picks and their money and all of this and that, and you cannot say that about the L.A. Rams. Even in uh, pandemic circumstances, they are going all in and uh, mortgaging the future, <clears throat> excuse me, mortgaging the future to do so. So credit to them in that sense. Whether it'll work out is remains to be seen. Um, for Detroit, I feel like it's the best uh, situation um, they could have put themselves in. I mean, they could have gotten a top 10 pick from Carolina for Stafford. Apparently that was offered. But with Goff, they have a chance to see for at least a year or two is this the guy, and if not, they can get out of the contract relatively easily without a ton of dead cap either next year or two years from now. And it doesn't preclude them from going to the draft and trying to see if there's a quarterback that they like, but I think first you want to put together the team um, and then see if there's a quarterback either in the draft, free agency, or trade-wise with those picks maybe in the future. Um, but they can certainly get another receiver, um, more players on defense, because it's going to be an entire huge rebuild because they have both a GM, uh, Holmes, and uh, head coach uh, Dan Campbell um, with six-year deals. And the coaching staff around Dan Campbell I actually kind of like with Anthony Lynn, a former head coach at Deep, yeah, at uh, offense coordinator, excuse me, Aaron Glenn, a great secondary coach for the Saints. He's the defensive coordinator, Mark McNeil as the quarterback coach. So Detroit, at least they're starting over. Now, whether it'll work in three, four, five years, and whether Dan Campbell's the right guy again, it's still to be determined. But at least they're starting from scratch, and that's probably the best thing that they can do for Sells. Um, the other quarterback market, I was hoping that there would be some sort of movement with either Wentz or Watson or both, and there hasn't been. Um, Wentz, um, the Eagles want, it appears, a Matthew Stafford type of haul for him, and coming off a year where he was diving starting caliber, I mean, yeah, we've seen him three years ago being MVP, but whether or not it's injuries or not putting the best team around him, or he's not the most coachable guy, uh, coachable guy, excuse me. Um, he's just not played at the level needed to get that type of haul. 
And even Stafford had 26 touchdowns, 10 picks with no Kenny Galladay last year um, for the Lions. So he's still able to be productive, and that was not the case with Wentz. Now some of it is the GM, Howie Roseman, somehow still with his job and still with a ton of power, taking J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf and then taking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. I mean, if you pick those two guys at receiver, it's a completely different offense, regardless of who's playing quarterback. There's just more explosive plays with those two guys rather than two guys who, in Rager, he could be good, but Ortega-Whiteside does appear that they whiffed on that one and could have gotten a top 10 receiver in D.K. Metcalf. And Rager, again, could be solid, but Jefferson is also a guy who looks like a top 10 receiver in the league already after one year. So they want, you know, a huge deal for Wentz, but it doesn't seem like they're getting it. But they're so far along that you would think that they would have to train him at some point. The two teams, the Bears and the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And Indianapolis would be the best fit for him since Frank Reich, Frank Reich was their uh, offensive coordinator during the Super Bowl run with Wentz and Foles in Philadelphia and was able to get the best out of him. And again, Doug Peterson was the play caller, but having a former QB and just a guy in Reich who seems to have everything calm and working in uh, Indianapolis, regardless of who was playing quarterback, whether it was Luck the first year, able to get a pretty great year out of him, unfortunately retires because of all the injuries uh, that he sustained. Uh, got a solid, I think, it was, yeah, 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, year with Jacoby Brissett having to come in for Luck very late. And then Rivers winning 11 games and almost beating a Bills team that got to the AFC title game. Um, Frank Reich does appear to be somewhat of a QB whisperer and could get the best out of Wentz. But if you're the Colts, you're like, well, we're not going to trade, you know, two first-rounders for a guy that you're not still 100% sure about. Um, and he doesn't guarantee that he's a franchise quarterback. And you're not going to be able to get Deshaun Watson because um, the Colts aren't, at least, because he's within the division. There's... No way the Texans will train him to a team that they have to face twice a year at minimum. Um, the Bears, it feels like more desperation from there and if they went that direction just because, um, you know, they've gone as far along as they can with Trubisky and they've realized that um, it's kind of like a similar situation, although um, Goff is a better quarterback in my opinion, but it's just similar in that... Um, they can win with Trubisky to an extent, but it's more hand-holding and um, not putting it in position to make mistakes rather than um, him actually being a great QB. And then Falls is there, and he could be a veteran mentor, but in terms of being a guy that can play the position, uh, he's definitely seen much, much better days. And um, you'd like to see that move be made as soon as possible for either team, just so whoever doesn't get a quarterback can move on to the next thing. As for uh, Deshaun Watson, um, Pierce Houston is dug in and saying, we're not going to trade him, and he's dug in saying, well, I'm not going to play. Um, in terms of the PR battle, it's with all the movement that's happened, yes, Deshaun Watson signed a four-year extension in 
um, September, but he signed it with a no-trade clause and also um, was given the impression that he would have influence on who would be the next coach, who would be the next GM, and neither situation did he get um, that type of influence. And, you know, the Texans just look like a completely unstable organization. Um, their team president resigned this week, and their equipment manager was let go, and he was really good friends with Watson. And I get that they want to keep Watson because, one, he's a great player and a great person in the community, and two, um, because they have so much invested in him. But um, they have a funny way of showing um, how they want to keep him happy because, you know, before he signs the extension, he was frustrated with them trading DeAndre Hopkins for a second rounder and a decent running back in David Johnson. And then, you know, this past year, just the amount of um, turmoil that they've had between Bill O'Brien being the GM for a short period and the coach and then getting fired early into the season and then um, just the amount of um, front office people, their PR person um, got let go as well. And there's this Jack Easterby guy who's not really out front publicly, but behind the scenes is um, gaining more and more power um, the more time goes along, it appears, because they had a GM search firm come in and uh, do research on candidates, and none of those candidates were the guy that they hired, Nick Casario. And it reminds me of the time when the Browns did a study on the quarterbacks in the draft, and uh, the study said, pick Teddy Bridgewater, and ownership said, um, let's go with Johnny Menzel. And, you know, Bridgewater's not been the greatest quarterback, but He's certainly been better than Menzel. And just stuff like that with the organization just shows so much instability and lack of consistent direction. And you completely understand why Watson wants out, but then um, you have Brett Favre um, come out and say that, um, you know, uh, um, Watson is getting paid... <laughs> Um, too much um, to voice an opinion. Um, he said, the quote is, I'm kind of old school. I think you play, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it, and that the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time, and I'll be interested to see how the organization handles it. And end of quote. And Brett Favre saying this is interesting since he's a guy that um, when they didn't get Randy Moss um, and the Patriots did, he requested a trade. He also held the Packers organization hostage for several years doing his retirement stuff. And it's totally fine what he did, but for him to criticize Watson for it seems a little bit odd. Um... And, you know, I think when you have power as a player, um, because your career is so limited and your ability to win titles and make money is so limited, you should be able to use that if you have the ability to do that. And, um, you know, and I think Watson eventually will get traded, but it's just a matter of when. But it could extend 
could be done within a week, could extend at a train camp, could extend in the season, like the Carson Palmer thing is. We don't know, but it, it was weird hearing that come from Brett Favre's mouth. But again, he's said some weird stuff. Um, one thing he also said was the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, should take Devonta Smith instead of Trevor Lawrence because... Um, Devonta Smith could be the next Jerry Rice, and he's also said, quote, nothing against Trevor Lawrence, but I think you can find a free agent quarterback or one in the later rounds or mid-rounds of the draft, but you can't find a guy like Smith. This guy can be Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, total game changer, and uh, no, I, I don't see that, Brett, I'm sorry, uh. Quarterbacks in the NFL, um, at least you look at the ones that went to the playoffs and the ones that went consistently, they're top draft picks for the most part. And they have to have elite talent. And Lawrence is about as clean-cut, perfect a prospect that has ever entered the NFL draft. And Devonta Smith, super productive player, great player, four years of production, um, just had arguably one of the best um receiver years ever, but you could make the argument that Jamar Chase, who was dominant two years ago at LSU, is close to as good or even a better prospect at the position than Devonta Smith, and I wouldn't pick Jamar Chase over <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, and, you know, um, when you're picking receiver top five, in my view, again, we talked about Calvin Johnson, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, Unless the receiver is that caliber of athlete and player, a Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, where they're elite physical talent, have great hands, and there's just nothing that pops out um, bad about them as a prospect, and they also just are you know physical unicorns right at the position. Those are the guys you take top five in the NFL draft. Um, there's not really, and Smith is a 175-pound guy with, you know, long arms, and he has pretty good speed, but um, most 40 times estimates have him about 4'5", and he's an elite route runner, but again, I don't pick a guy like that top five. Now, I could see um, Miami pick him at three because of the connection with him and Tua, and, you know, they have extra picks, so if they pick a guy high like that, um, ideally, I would trade down a few spots and get some more picks either in this draft or in the next draft um, just to get the more value out of that pick. But I wouldn't, you know, kill them for making that selection. But, yeah, I, the, those are just a couple things that Brett Favre has said recently that I just uh, didn't understand. But, you know, he's had a great career, so respect him in that sense. Uh, next thing is the J.J. Watt was um, released from the Texans. And again, it caps off a crazy week where they had the equipment manager get let go and the team president resigned. And I believe the team president had been there the entire time of the franchise. And Watt only had five sacks this past year and you know has dealt with some injuries a bunch of the past few years. But when he's been healthy and he's in the right defense and... You know, it's a good situation in Houston. He's been 
about as good as any defensive player in the history of the game. And, you know, he's probably at 32 lost a step or two, but with him being a free agent that was cut by the Texans, teams can sign him without it affecting the compensatory pick formula. What does that mean? Well, for instance, a team, you know, my team, my favorite team, the Buffalo Bills, um, let's say they wanted to sign J.J. Watt, and they were able to sign him. And then the um, they have Matt Milano with a free agent, and he gets, you know, a record deal as an outside linebacker, and they lose him in a free agency. Well, it wouldn't count against them in the compensatory pick formula. So, you know, Milano gets his deal, and as a result, the Bills get a future third-round pick uh, for Matt Milano. Now, if the Bills were to lose Matt Milano but sign someone like uh, Shaq Barrett, who just his contract runs out and he's not cut by the Buccaneers, he's just let go, and the Bills decide to sign him um, for you know similar money to what uh, Milano gets in leaving free agency, then the Bills would not get that compensatory uh, third-round pick. So... Um, and he can sign J.J. Uh, Watt before the free agency period in March. So Ed Warder of ESPN said about a dozen teams have contacted him, and he did mention the Bills as a team that has gone out and uh, contacted his representation. Um, so I would love to see them do that. He could easily go to the Steelers, um, where his brothers uh, T.J., the um, elite linebacker and uh, reigning defense, or no, it was actually uh, Aaron Donald, who was Defensive Player of the Year, but T.J. Watt could have easily been, and then the fullback, Derek Watt. He has two brothers there. Um, so if he wants to just go with family and join a team that could contend for a playoff spot, the Steelers, although they're certainly declining um, after that 11-0, they ended the year 1-5, Big Ben, Definitely looking like he's lost a step. They have a ton of free agents. Their left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva, is a free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent. They have three other good young receivers, but um, in James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. But if they were to let him go, that would be kind of a hit. James Conner, the running back. You know, they have a lot of holes, and they already have a great defensive line with Tewitt, uh, Stephon Tewitt and Cameron Hayward, it would be tough to see how it could fit. Now, they could probably make it work, and, you know, he'd love to play with his brother, but in terms of fits um, with a team that could be a contender, Buffalo is definitely up there. Tampa Bay, maybe. Tampa Bay could find a way to fit him into their cap situation. Um, but Buffalo, with um, then going to the AFC title game and needing an impact defensive lineman. Um, he could fit as an edge rusher. He could play inside. He would be great um, as a another veteran uh, defensive lineman with Jerry Hughes, assuming you're, if you're getting J.J. Watt, you're probably letting go of two, if not all three of these guys, uh, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Quinn Jefferson, and then you have him also as a mentor to two talented young defensive linemen in A.J. Epineza and Ed Oliver. And then there's just so many things you can do with him, playing him inside, again, playing him outside, 
rush him inside on third and long with um, Hughes, Oliver, and Ebeneza, or any other pass rusher you can think of. Um, ideally, I would love to see the Bills somehow get him, Jadavion Clowney, if possible, on a one-year prove-it deal, or some combination of Watt Clowney and a young pass rusher in the draft to uh, get that defensive line to play more like the defensive line that they paid for, which was they paid them over $50 million. And they got mostly average play from that line. Um, they do get Star Lutalele back, um, who's more of a, who statistically doesn't do a ton for them, um, but was able to occupy blockers, and that helped Milano and Edmonds a lot. And uh, they didn't have that this year because he opted out um, due to the COVID um, protocols and uh, the players having that option. So if they somehow got him back and then added a J.J. Watt on top of that, uh, their defense could take another um, huge step and that would help them in their pursuit to try and get to a Super Bowl. And the Bills' uh, personnel uh, executive, uh, senior personnel executive, Brian Gain, used to be in Houston uh, when J.J. Watt was there. So that could be the connection that helps them get him. But, you know, there's a ton of teams that are interested. So it's not going to guarantee one way or another where he goes. But I would love the move if they were able to get him. One quick note, do want to pass condolences to the uh, Marty, uh, to the Schoenheimer family. Um, Marty Schoenheimer uh, coach of the Cleveland Browns, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Washington football team, um, and S San Diego Chargers, as well as a linebacker for the Bills in the 60s, um, passed away this week at 77. Reported a couple weeks ago, they went into hospice care, so it appeared that his last days were coming. And, uh, you know, one of the great coaches in the NFL, even though he only went 5-13, and 13, was able to win over 200 games, um, and was always able to build teams up to a great level. One of the great motivators, if you ever want to look up, you know, Marty Schottenheimer football life or just great Mar Marty Schottenheimer speeches, you know, one play at a time. Uh, just one of the great characters and coaches in league history. And sad that his last uh, NFL coaching job, he's 14 and 2. Um, this is uh, 2005, yep, 2005-2006, I believe, his last year, um, where they go 14-2. and two, They host the Patriots in the um, AFC Divisional round, and they're up eight points. Um, and he's more aggressive in that game than he normally is. Normally he's a run-the-ball and control-the-clock kind of coach, but he took chances on fourth down, tried to be aggressive with Phillip Rivers throwing the ball in that game. But they're still up eight. And Marlon McCree, the defensive back, intercepts Brady, starts to run back with it. Um, Troy Brown forces the fumble. Patriots get it back. They score a touchdown, um, get the two-pointer, and then eventually win the game. And uh, in the uh, Football Life um, episode, uh, it's a series on NFL Network, it's shown that he talks to at least one of the DBs, I believe it's Drain Florence, and says, hey, when you catch the game-winning interception, you know, uh, just kneel down and uh, hold on to it. And, you know, unfortunately, that was not the case. So, um, you know, great uh, coach that 
um, never got, you know, that championship and maybe not the full due that he deserved, but nonetheless, uh, you know, condolences and uh, congrats on a great career um, and life to Marty Schottheimer. Uh, last subject I wanted to do was um, the um, EA Sports has said that they are looking to bring back the NCAA football games, and uh, I uh, love those games playing as a kid. Um, had my brother give me um, NCAA 11 this year as a gift, and I'm enjoying playing that game a ton. I'd love to get 14, but um, the price for that one is just exorbitant. It's like, um, you know, new games are usually like $60, $70, and that one's about like 240 because it's literally the last of an era until whenever this new one comes out. And, uh, you know, uh, they haven't said exactly what their plan is because they say that they can do it um, without having the likenesses of the players and just having the schools there, um, but just not any of the players that are normally on the team now. So if you wanted to play them this year with, um, you know, the great Alabama receivers like Jalen Wild, Devonta Smith, um, you wouldn't be able to play with those guys, but you would be able to play as the Alabama team. Now, there doesn't seem to be a clear timeline. It might take two or three years before they make those games. And by then, the name, image, and likeness rules with the NCAA um, may be settled. Um, currently, players aren't allowed to make money off their likeness. Um, but the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit around 2013-2014, um, Supreme Court decided that um, if... Uh, players can't make money off their likeness. The NCAA can't, you know, have stuff like video games um, where um, the players without their official names are um, put in the video game, but the players aren't making money that the NCAA can't do that either. So um, by the time the rules get figured out, um, you just need to see if players will then be able to make money off their likeness, you know, to play themselves in the video game, um, either make money off that or endorsements from Nike, Adidas, this and that, because in reality, they should be able to uh, do that, in my opinion. They should be able to make money off their likeness. And then in that sense, um, currently in college football, there's, you know, three schools that are constantly in the championship conversation, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and then there's a fourth team, sometimes Homeless, sometimes Notre Dame, sometimes it's some other team. But it's really three teams that are getting all the best players, have all the best coaches, get those players to the best position in the NFL. But, like, when, you know, teams were breaking recruiting rules, um, and, you know, some teams like, SMU um, for a brief period were one of the best teams in college football and they were able to get players, you know, illegally through the means at the time, but they're able to be a contender out of nowhere against the big boys. And I believe that with um, a team like Alabama that constantly is getting five-star recruits and just had the highest rated uh, recruiting class of all time, um, you're, you're kind of a small fish um, there as a player. Um, you're not guaranteed to play there the first two years, and you're just part, you know, of a football factory, whereas um, with 
smaller schools, you can make a bigger name for yourself and get endorsements if these name, image, and likeness rules are eventually changed. So would that perhaps bring parity to college football that we haven't seen in the last few years? And maybe that's needed because the um, ratings for the last few college football championships have been going down. In some could some of that could be you know pandemic related at least for this past year, but you know it's also that Alabama and Clemson are constantly the team, and it is fun to watch those teams if you're you know a glutton fan for college football. But I think the Amon person is kind of tired of seeing the same teams over and over and over again winning, and maybe wanting some new blood in and new teams in that mix. So, you know, I'd love to see when they have the games out. Enjoy playing them, but I also do want to see um, players have rights. Uh, the college players have rights because their career isn't guaranteed. Um, they could get hurt, and then all of a sudden they go from a top ten pick that has you know twenty million guaranteed to they fall the third round, and because of injuries, example, uh, Marcus Lattimore, the running back from. Uh, South Carolina, because of injuries, you know, he goes to the third round and he's never really able to play in the NFL. Um, but, you know, if players have the opportunity to at least make some money for themselves um, with endorsements or things like that, um, that kind of takes away at least a little bit of the risk and also, you know, makes the games and other things uh, possible. So. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning into the Robins Football Thoughts podcast. Um, I hope to do um, some more of these as the offseason comes through. We're about uh, 10 weeks and a half away from the NFL draft, um, about a month away from uh, NFL free agency beginning. So not sure when I'll do another one of these, but I do plan on doing um, one or two um, more in the future. Um, but yeah, thanks again for tuning in and, uh, best to you.